0: Hi, this is Track Changes, the podcast of PostLight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. I'm your co-host and co-founder, Paul Ford, and I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder. Rich Ciotti. Rich, how are you? I'm doing well. That was very uh, subdued NPR. We just got back from lunch. I'm a little, feeling a little, the term is Logie. That's the actual. Is that the term? It's one of the terms that people use. Yeah, you got to pick it up. Pick it up. I mean, Dump this bucket of coffee down my mouth and perked the hell up. Paul. Yes, Rich. Tell
1: me about Post Light.
0: Uh, You know, you ever pick up a mobile phone and use an app? Yes. Well, that's the thing we do. We do more than that. Well, what yes. we do, but let's be clear. Inside that app, there is a view that is like a web view. Often, okay. like that app is powered by the web, even if you don't think so. It is. Right. We build that part too. We build the, the back end and the front end and the web app and the mobile app and yes. the, the web mobile app. Yep. We do that. That's a real thing, everybody. Web mobile apps are right. a real thing. Yes. We help you design, architect,
1: build, and ship platforms and the apps that ride on top of them.
0: I just came up with that. <laughs> just is, is, it's just riding. You like s- ride? Stallions. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. That's exactly. exciting. So... Paul. Yes, Rich. There is a phenomena that has been, I don't know if I'd say bugging me. I'm kind of fascinated by it because part of me as a... As a
0: well, there are phenomena and there is a phenomenon. So you have to choose one of those. There is a phenomena. Oh, no. There are phenomena and there is a phenomenon.
1: Oh, is that true? I've been saying it wrong the whole time. <sighs> there is a phenomenon
0: that I want to talk about. light is about learning. And here we are. What is the phenomenon that you want to talk about? Uh, There are a handful of apps that I use
1: far. If you charted it out, there are like five apps that I'm in 90% of the time. And then it tapers off. And over at the end is like the wine app that you take a picture of the label. Like you just open them much, much less frequently. Candy crush. I don't have candy crush on my phone. Bejeweled. No, none of
0: that. Doodle jump. No. Cut the rope.
1: Cut the rope. Uh, cut the rope, and I have a history. Okay,
0: uh, which we're not going to get into on this podcast. That's fine. That's fine. So, the actually, phenom- is there a casual game that you're fond of?
1: Uh, yes, there are a couple, but I haven't played them in a long time. I like the puzzle games. I like the word puzzle games. Right. I don't want to play socially. Like I don't want. No, yet. I don't want. I, I don't want to do this alone. Talk not to with anyone. friends. Yeah. So uh, there are a couple. So here's the phenomenon that uh, just irks me, and I think. This has kind of always been going on, Mm -hmm. but Uber, I feel like, accelerated it. And that is the apps change constantly. They change fairly dramatically
0: constantly.
1: We've gotten to the point where the update is no longer this event.
0: You know what's weird is the update, so the update comes across now with all these notes, and it happens, it could be daily. That's right. And now the notes are even generic. They're sort of
1: like, we're always improving your application for your enjoyment.
0: Well, and then there's the more nerdy development shops will have kind of tongue in cheek notes or yeah. A more. But what's strange is the app update itself has become a kind of media object. It's like a form of news. Yes. And uh, that's, we're, we're living in that world now, but it's not like, it's still crappy text notes that yes. tell you that something's changed. Correct.
1: And what's happening is it's more and more frequent. Mm-hmm. And I would even venture to say that Uber is taking it an even st- uh, even a step further. And there's
0: Uber, their Facebook updates constantly. Facebook updates you know constantly. Messenger you, updates constantly. When you see that view of all the apps that want to update and you're like I did this 2 days ago and there's yeah. like 24 apps. Well, they're just happening
1: now automatically they, too. They just want to get in there. If you turn it on like they think they just update. Right. Uh, and Uber, I think, takes it a step further. There are definitely portions of the Uber app that don't even need the update. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just either they built the functionality and it's sitting latently and through their servers, they can flip switches. Mm-hmm. So the update isn't even there. I'll give you an example. Uber was trying to expand its fleet in New York City. Okay. And de Blasio wasn't having it. But de Blasio is the current mayor of New York City, Bill mm-hmm. de Blasio.
0: Kind of not an Uber fan.
1: Not an Uber fan. Most mayors, I don't think, they sort of grapple with Uber, but it's, it's, it's a challenge for right. them. And they went on a bit of a campaign to convince New Yorkers, essentially, or Uber users, to complain to New York City. And what happened was, if you open the Uber app, Uber provides a few different riding options. There's Uber, Uber XL for a larger vehicle. There's Uber Black for a town car. Uber Pool for lots
0: of people at once. Uber Pool.
1: So they added de Blasio as an option. And if you tapped on it, you got the chance to write City Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so you just have to, you have to just do it in the app and they took care of either sending paper or bombarding their email. And... If I'm not mistaken, I know for a fact, whether it's this one or another one, those kinds of features get flipped on and off in Uber all the time.
0: Sure. They're okay.
1: experimenting. I think, look, the motivations are clear. One is let's learn. Mm-hmm. Like we are no longer the end users. We are the focus groups. So they're learning. They're taking data. Like fo- Facebook does this incredibly well. They love to get gather that usage data and understand more about what we like and don't like. The problem is they're moving stuff around all the time. And you get comfortable. Look, here's the thing about interface and user experiences. Even though it might not be the best, we get good at it. Mm -hmm. And when we get good and proficient at it, it feels really good to users. Users like to get good at something. Sure. Even things that are poorly designed, sometimes we just get good at them.
0: And we don't want you to touch it anymore because I invested the time to get good at it. Well, this is, this is a rich part of the history of software, right? Like WordPerfect was a word processor that had all these command codes and it had a little overlay on the keyboard. That's right. And you got really, really good at them if you used it all the time. And that was a kind of mastery because it wasn't obvious. It wasn't it was, intuitive. It was a true skill. It was, it was. And legal secretaries used WordPerfect all the time because it was really good at legal footnoting. Mm-hmm. And that was a part of the job was being masterful at like that's revealing right. the codes, fixing the issues. Yep. It was a it was more akin to programming in some ways than typical word processor usage. <laughs> it but, really was. But then, as Word and uh, the graphical user interface comes along, those skills are much less relevant. Correct. And it, it's that's been that every five years there's a new thing where your talent at a particular platform or toolkit becomes irrelevant. You can see that in programming too.
1: Yes, and and look. There is one card that they can always use, which is security. Sure. Like, if there is a security issue out there and they need to plug it up, they need to plug it well,
0: up. Well, that's okay? every Apple update, right? Like, ever uh, improving every. your experience I- on, on Mac OS. You yeah. Know, just, oh, you know, it's improving more security. your security and, yeah, all yeah. of that. And so it's you, always like bug four, seven, you're five. You're kind of
1: frightened. You're like, oh, God, let me get this. In well, I better computer, get, yeah, because, right?
0: you know, Slovenians want to break in. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, who's doing this,
1: right? Facebook, Facebook Messenger for a long time had a, a gif button you could mm-hmm. tap it and pull put a gif into the chat and like a month ago six weeks ago from this from we're at the end of april right now when this podcast is being recorded they took it out and it freaked me out oh, I, yeah. I went and got the google keyboard add-on for ios
0: on uh, twitter was always putting moments in there too like you know they would yeah like, get that moments button in these these orgs like they, they just drop it in there. Like, what are you doing? I was using this all the time.
1: You took it out. And by the way, two weeks later, it was put back in. Sure. So whatever they learned and whatever they saw happen. A
0: high-pitched screech rose from the world.
1: Uh, and and they, they put it back in with a new interface. And now it feels more like there's like all kinds of Snapchatty features in it. It just doesn't sit still. The application does not sit still.
0: Can I make a, a sort of broad observation here? Yes. Okay, so these apps get updated all the time, right? And they come out with their notes. And there's a little like, you know, good security, improvements to the GIF stuff. Yes. So over the last five, ten, but really the last like five years, there's been a tremendous focus enabled by technologies like GitHub – Which is a website that lets you track all the changes to the source code in a program. Yes. But there are many similar technologies that let teams work together in a very agile way, put code into the system, and then release the software, which used to get released once a year. Yeah. Every day. Well, let's go back in history even more so, right? Like if, if you had Microsoft Word 5, okay.
1: There was no avenue it came on to on like get f- you... It came on four floppy disks. It was a box. You got right. it
0: from the store. Well, you would literally mail in a little card that said, I, I own this now. And then they would send you a letter f- yeah. saying like, you know, would you like to... You, they might actually send you an update disk six months later. To do little things, yeah. Or they might send you a note that there's a new version. Correct. But it, it was... You're talking on the order of six months, a year, 18 months between versions. Exactly down to days. Days where you're not just
1: getting features that are very subtle, very latent. It doesn't say, hey, would you like to try the new experience? It just happens. And you just open your app and it's just a different thing.
0: Well, so what's happened is that app releases, apps are now giant. They represent an enormous sort of surface in our culture. App stores are big and they drive billions and billions of dollars. Right. And so app updates and app news and things that are happening with apps are a kind of aggregate media like it's an almost like a reading a newspaper every day when you look at all the things that are happening on your phone yes to the apps that are installed on your phone now we haven't culturally started to deal with this yet there's no way to like it's hard to get a good newspaper about what's happening on your phone today correct you have to just kind of intuit based on oh facebook's up to this and if you're curious i think like we're geeks right like we like to open people do report on like if facebook does a big update they're like you know TechCrunch or somebody will go in and poke around
1: yes yes yes, yes. but
0: or, you know or as technica or, or a number of different places yes. to keep an eye but no there's hundreds and hundreds of apps nobody's keeping an eye and there's no no really clear disclosure responsibilities here no especially and, it's a fr- look the biggest violation every
1: so often it happens and spotify is guilty of this they break it yeah they literally went in as of this podcast the ipad version of spotify it broke It still works. It's just the interface looks like a stretched out iPhone interface instead of what they did beautifully for the iPad.
0: I mean, Spotify gets up to stuff with its interface.
1: Spotify is its (laughs) It's own podcast, man. It
0: is such a great tool and it is such a... It's an amazing service. Let's park that. The data and the service are wonderful, but the interface has always been a bizarre set of compromises that are puzzling to use and every update is an exciting new exploration adventure (laughs) to find your playlist sometimes all the songs you locally mirrored to your phone are gone it's just i I pay more for that than any other app that i use yeah it's a bad scene i pay 120 dollars a year to use it it's a bad scene but it is a mess
1: i just imagine designers sort of late at night after a couple of bottles of wine saying why don't we give this a go
0: Well, the Spotify design process is very decentralized. Is that true? Famously so, yeah. Like the web app is built by different teams and each – the web app is essentially like a lot of little web browsers running at once. Right. And I think that 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 probably applies throughout the app. So there's no unified product vision where someone is like – Yeah. You know, sitting there with a cattle prod saying it must be this way. You get the sense that the customs
1: around the web – Are quite different. I I feel like the New York Times is working on a new design. They're just going to be very careful about it. You just get the sense that they're just not going to drop it on everyone, and they're not going to drop another
0: one on everyone two weeks later. In the past, they haven't, right? They've been like, check out a preview, and then they opt people in. very. very yeah. cautious yep. in, in in stepping forward and I think I feel I think that's still the case. It isn't it isn't. It used to be that any change on anything really required a lot of notification but I feel that the world's changed. I think that people are just like, "Oh, they're going to hit me in the head with that." Oh, yeah. That's a pretty big stick. I didn't expect to get a hit in the head with it, but right. well, that's 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 what it's like. Right. And look, a lot of this is driven by, I mean, there's no doubt Facebook is driven by growth yeah. and money, and they have to keep doing stuff. Look, people have opinions on Facebook, but I, I, I don't feel a sense of ownership over it. I just feel that it's, they're going to give me what they want to give me. Yes, and yes. I, and so I think like, oh, here it is, another 250 megabytes of brrrr! right and, and then, you know, I guess I'll, I'll use that. God help us, I have to open up Messenger now. A, Let's see what they've done, what fresh hell has been unleashed. Well,
1: what they've done recently, and has been a big, big part of what's happened to Messenger, is Facebook hedging against Snapchat. Right. A huge chunk of new functionality has been poured into Messenger over the last 60 days or so. That is essentially Snapchat-y, sort of, you know, I can put bunny ears on my head and write stuff and it just sort of overlays over pictures and all that. It is, if you swipe down the whole Instant Messenger interface, you get this fancy camera that Mm -hmm. does all these things. Like, that's how prevalent it is in the experience. And that's not driven by users saying we'd love to have this. It's just driven by uh, Facebook saying, all right.
0: Well, what they're saying is we'd love to have this, meaning Snapchat.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got a player here that seems to be sucking some of the oxygen, and, and we're, we're subjected well, to that. Well, it's our oxygen.
0: Yeah. Um, look, here's what the point I think to make about all this stuff is that this is a really big world, and it happens all the time, and – it's actually very, very hard to keep track of. Like you and I are people who are obsessed with this world, and
1: I can't keep track. You
0: see glimpses. You know, you just hit it on the head two minutes
1: ago when you said, "I don't have any control over this." There is no, there is barely a settings tab in these apps. That's like, right. I can't turn off the Snapchat camera. I can't turn off or turn on very much anything.
0: Well, and everyone will tell you, like, well, that's not. Consumers don't want settings; they want yeah. simplicity, right? but i just it's fascinating to me that these are experiences that are shared by hundreds of millions of people and the app updates go out to hundreds of millions of people every day yes and we kind of get them and figure them out and just go on to the next thing like this is a part of our culture that everyone's come to accept it barely gets media coverage at the level at which you know like if this happened with network TV, like they moved the news around, and, right? You know, or right, right, right. NBC renamed the nightly news into the fortnightly news, or whatever the hell, right? I think even more dramatically
1: than that. If you would, what's happening here is even more dramatic, which is like Lester Holt goes into audio only. That's right. And there's a ticker across the top, and the reports bleed into each other in some That's new right. way. They
0: brought Dan Rather back, but he's in a coffin. <laughs> Right, like the, that's the new feature. That's the new feature CBS News. Right. Um, so, look, I, I, I don't think there's no conclusion we're getting at here. It's just that this is another one of those giant mysterious things that is always happening.
1: Well, yeah, and I, I'm going to draw a conclude. I'm going to draw not a conclusion, but, but an opinion, opinion, an opinion about it, which is I don't think it's good.
0: No, you've got teams of good.
1: designers that are f- keep fiddling with stuff, and your users who are trying to become really good at a thing.
0: I think they're just beaten. Who's beaten the the users?
1: I think that's right. I mean, they're just
0: like, oh, I okay. just don't know
1: what's coming. Here's and
0: another one.
1: That's right. That's right. And I and feel
0: that there's no kind of coverage of this. There's no story about it that people can talk and complain. You know, you know what doesn't happen? And this has been a. A thread throughout my career. There's no real idea of software criticism in the same way there is of music criticism or film criticism. Yeah, where it it really should be somebody should be doing like an almost art style review Mm. of that Facebook Mm -hmm. app from the user's point of view. Yeah, and that should be a beat. And they could be on that. I would read that if it was a really good smart person. I would follow along on that. You know. Yeah. And it's very hard for that to come together. And uh, but it's weird because there's this an enormous. Global pressure—it's like this weather event. I mean, it's a and Facebook it's, is a monster, and it's and just going to rain down on us.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So, shifting a bit to the web, uh, I think I, in the middle of this, I, I complimented the web as being a little more polite and showing a little more tact in terms of change. Right. Right. So, I'm going to confess something, Paul. What? I use an ad blocker. Yeah, I don't. I can't get with that. I know. I know. I struggle with it a little bit myself. I pay... R- I'm not going to mention which which publications I pay for, but I pay for a few. Okay. Um, yeah, so do I. Not because I want them to remove their ads, but because I actually think they're doing something important. Okay. So I pay for a few publications, but we were recently recently testing a tool uh, that Postlight Labs was putting out. And to test it properly, I needed to turn off the ad blocker for about a week.
0: We're so. talking about our Bloomberg extension.
1: Our Bloomberg add-on. That's, that's right. right. It's, a, it's a new feature on the Bloomberg app on mobile and it's it's a Chrome add-on. And available now.
0: Available now, now free. for free. So we built that thing and you had to, to look at it and see it working. Test it. It. You had to turn off your ad blocker.
1: Yeah, I turned off my ad blocker and I had no idea what an utter disaster it is out there
0: oh it's a hell of a place
1: it's unbelievable it's a garbage fest it's a garbage well you
0: know this is one of the things we built an amp converter at one point which goes to google amp and people have lots of opinions about google amp but google amp forces the ads to behave better yes and that is the belief like there are paths out of this nightmare
1: there are and here's there's enormous like these aren't evil people right there's enormous economic pressure
0: to just keep going. Here's what I would say. I mean, look, what I'm noticing is we're kind of in a funny moment where I think that ad tech is what it is, and it is what powers media. And did you see that the Huffington Post redesigned? I did. Okay. So very nice redesign. Good work. New editor. They call it HuffPost now. Um, Just a very professionally thought through, high quality piece of work. But one of the observations I have looking at it is that there's nothing drastically new or novel about how the HuffPost works. No. It's articles. some of, familiar. Yeah, some of the articles are longer. It should be familiar. Right. It should be comfortable for people to use and read. It should feel Correct. like something that's been around for a while. But what, it, what struck me is that even at the early part of, of this decade – there were more weird things happening with news publications. Infographics were starting to show up. There yeah. was more JavaScript more and footnotes around. and annotations and yeah. shenanigans, right? Yeah. And there was a sense that um, you know, that that publications were going to drive some innovation on the web. And they still do in lots and lots of ways. But looking at that HuffPo redesign made me think and honestly looking at some of the work that we do where we're publishing, that we're we're about to launch a old school global media property. We're, we're going to give it a nice new digital look and feel. Mm-hmm. It's coming out soon. And the work is really good. I'm very proud of it. Yes. yes but we it's... are not reinventing the publication. No. No. And it's tricky. But at the same time, the type's good. There's a grid. There's a real understanding of quality. Yes. There's a lot of incredibly complex interactions between the different elements on the page and dynamically arranging them so that they they look good and and operate well. Like there's all this very subtle stuff. It's really nice, yeah. Getting the line spacing right. And that's what publishing is now.
1: Yes. When you describe this, that sort of predictability and and sort of that...
0: There's a reading experience that looks a certain way. The pictures look a certain way. Things scale up and down really well in the browser or on mobile.
1: I got to tell you, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of an assembly line. A little bit except they're that putting th- out thirty five units a day.
0: That's right. And so the design has to support that but also look really good.
1: Yes. Every so often there is a thread that kicks in at the New York Times where they say, This is a feature piece. I want interactive stuff interspersed within it. Let's like, spend it some needs money, checkbooks. To feel come out. Different. Yeah. We should talk about snowfall for a minute.
0: That's sort of a landmark. That was a big moment. So what the New York Times did, they wrote, they had a very big piece and it was divided into sections and filled with annotations and videos and the, the type was superimposed over rotating video. Correct. You know where I'm seeing some of that desire for innovation and exploration is showing up in 360 degree video and photography. VR, VR stuff. Yeah, that's People are getting excited about that as a way to innovate. But I think what I would point out here is that the goal of publishing or of sort of content online right now is you create this very good, somewhat rigid system that looks good at a baseline. I give it a headline and 400 words and ideally a picture, yeah. and it looks pretty good, and it yeah. can hold three or four ads. And, and let's face it, they got to churn them out. got to churn them out. And yet, at the same time, there's this sort of secondary ecosystem of embeddable VR, embeddable video, where you can drop these components that could be that can do anything a computer can do.
1: I mean, let's video. Let's not just gloss over that. This pattern, which you see a good amount of, ESPN does it pretty consistently. Of you get to an article, but a video starts playing up top. It, It literally feels like I went to go read something. And then somebody walked up to me and just started yapping in my ear. That's kind of an. It's kind of insane. Right? Like right? Twitter's
0: been throwing little video boxes all over the place, and it makes no sense for Twitter.
1: It's just insane. Like, you know, right? I don't.
0: Oh, hey, I'm here to see what my friends are angry about regarding the Trump administration. But over here is yes. the lacrosse news. <laughs> and look, we know a
1: little bit about this world, right? right. Video ads. Are incredibly lucrative. They're very profitable. Very profitable. So the the motivation there is like, okay, I got the guy writing the piece, but let's just stick ninety seconds up at the top because I can sell a Cadillac ad for fifteen seconds and make really good money on it. Like that, that's real.
0: That is correct.
1: Right. I, I do want to come back to what's happening to psych. Like, you, you pointed out this familiarity and the sort of these
0: patterns that have emerged. So it's a little predictable, a little dry. I I guess, but another way to put it is that it's, the craft has kind of gotten locked down. Like, if you know, if you, because we are practitioners of the same craft, right? Like there is a way that a really good publication should look and work and feel online. And there's a norm that has emerged in the last, you know, 20 years, but really a new one that's kind of shown up in the last four or five or so where it's like, yes, that's a publication. Yes. So it was interesting to see HuffPost, which used to be kind of sprawling, yes. really all over the place, all kinds of stuff, get its design system locked down, be very clear about kind of what this publication is, and then also see, uh, you know, and there's room, there's still room on the web for any kind of embed, any kind of video, any kind of m- yeah. 3D you want to put in, you yeah. can still drop that in there, Yeah. right? Like that still works, but we're approaching a set of norms.
1: Yeah. And, and look, for a lot of people, they don't know. When you visit an article, I mean, I, we glossed over this earlier. You're hitting 20, 30, 50 other domains. That's
0: right. There's two infrastructures. There's your content management infrastructure. And then there's like your ad ops and ad serving infrastructure, which is actually spread and very decentralized. It's incredible. You're I, doing, I, so this, the page is assembled from the entire globe.
1: Yes. And, and there, are, there are browser add-ons that will show you what else is getting hit? Ghostry, ghostry is one that That's is the big it, that one, ghostry. It. All the bad blocking. Privacy uh, Badger, I think. Privacy Badger did. is another one. So uh, if you visit HuffPo, you will find you're also visiting, under the hood, uh, DoubleClick, which isn't surprising, DoubleClick.net. Sure. Owned by Google. Owned by Google. Polarmobile.com. Ah, Polarmobile. Imrworldwide.com. Oh, it's starting to get bad real fast. Urgent. Z E R G E N T. That's probably a part
0: of the Zergnet network. Okay. (laughs) Voice5.com. Oh, because voice one through four were so challenging.
1: Demdex.net.
0: Yeah, I take those to help me with my skin.
1: (laughs) Scorecardresearch.com.
0: I'm going to stop. No, it's how I rank all my children.
1: It's kind of something.
0: Yeah. It's kind of something. Well, there's 40 more to go.
1: There's a lot more to go. Why did I
0: write these 40 funny lines about those? Is this cool? Is that cool? Dude. I don't know. You want to go down? That's like saying is uber good. We're down the path. Yeah. This is the real world. I have to say, I mean, pure, pure, pure
1: user experience. It's not about just blocking the ads. It's like six to eight times faster
0: oh it's much faster my
1: browser is way faster than yours if i've got yeah no
0: it's like they're releasing 20 saint bernards every time they open the page and saying go get the paper i mean it is not it's a
1: lot of it's a lot of pain so i get it this is a business everybody's got to make make money fractions Um, of a
0: cent And, and it's and look these are sites that are on volume
1: they are They are on volume. And look, we're coming back to the unifying theme, right? Which is what's happening to the user, right? Whether it be be you're you're editing that app seven times a month and fiddling with it and ruining it for me, or you're, you know, 20 to 50 domains are hitting my my, uh, browser when I just go, I wanted to read a 600-word article.
0: Here's what I see happening. I'm going to go real meta for a sec. You ready? Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Design overall of publications and media is normalizing around a set of shared assumptions and understandings. There's a way that sites should look and behave, not just the appearance, but also the the way that the interactions work, the kind of type, how fast things load. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that and I think CuffPost is just a really good archetypal example of a redesign along those lines. Mm-hmm. And like good for them. That people should understand that this is praise to, to like to get to that point of familiarity and respect. That's yes. that's praise. I think the ad networks will catch up. I think that they have been running in 5,000 different directions and that as things are stabilizing and stuff like Google AMP starts to put pressure on the ad networks to conform and behave in different ways, Yes, that more consistent, less utterly destructive to the page experience ad, ad products will show up and there'll be things happening with money that make it possible for everything to work together a little better.
1: I agree with this. I think
0: eventually
1: they're going to have to pay the price. Well, it
0: will increase the velocity of page load. You'll get more traffic, more attention, more
1: engagement. That's just not the way they think today.
0: No. And I mean, the other thing for me is I just look at ads as the worst. I mean, it's here. I can deliver anything a computer can do in a dynamic environment that is globally distributed. Great. Here's a picture of a tampon. I mean, it's just, you know, some deodorant or whatever. Like it's. It's just some other brand message sort of piled on or get rid of piled belly on or get, be, get rid yeah. of belly fat. Yeah. So everything's just volume. And C- then instead you could have these experiences that are quite rich. You could do anything a computer can do and yeah. that's what we do.
1: Yeah. And and I, I I'm hoping we trend that way. Um I think it's one of those that has to get worse before it gets better kind of a thing. I think there needs to be that movement. Like people just don't know.
0: Well today. I think what's happened though is like the stabilizing of the overall media experience gives everybody a like there's a common platform emerging where it's like this is what you're going to be advertising on yes not just some random page. yes it's going to look like kind of like this correct so correct. this again very Can I close with a shout out yeah medium yeah medium
1: locked it down pretty good medium somehow gained the traction and the reach that it gained uh well obviously it did it because it was it was well funded and had the runway to go and get that territory and
0: they're still figuring it out
1: and there's and not only that they went down the ad route and they said what you know what we just don't want to be this mess and they stopped and they said we're gonna try something else and look i don't know what that else is and i know there's been criticism about it but what they're essentially signaling out is we don't want to add to the problem here. We don't want to contribute to the problem. And and look, Medium can be exhausting. I, the you know, messaging in Medium can be exhausting. I'm an advisor
0: to Medium. This is an incredibly uncomfortable conversation. For
1: well, me. <laughs> I just think it's great that there is somebody out there that is showing growth and and the kind of reach that they have without having you know magic pillow getting thrown in my face just because I'm reading a. a an article on foreign policy.
0: I enjoy using Medium and have had wonderful experiences writing for it and have tremendous collegial experiences with everybody who's there as an advisor. Hard stop. Yeah, let's close it on that, Paul. All right, Rich. this is a
1: venting discussion.
0: Well, I think that there's something happening, and we didn't fully nail it down, but no, there's something I'm, happening.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see this get better, and hopefully, it'll get better. This is not one of those things where you can build software to fix software, right? No, but
0: I think that publishing could lead in unusual ways, and I think we'll yeah. get. To, I think that's starting to happen in ways that are a little hard to pin down. Yes, that's the great thing about podcasts is that you can just talk for a while, and you don't have to actually back anything up. No, or do anything about it. You just go home. On that note, Coastlight <laughs> is the best product studio that you're going to find yes. to do your digital products anywhere we in the We ship at scale.
1: We build stuff that goes goes and blankets the world.
0: Speaking of ads, no, we, you know, we do. We, we're very proud of the fact that we ship. Yes. No matter what, we push really hard to get that thing across the line, into the app store, onto the web. The server's running. That is that is an, a sort of we have an orthodox ideology around the fact that if it doesn't ship, you're just making it up, yeah, so that's if you need to get something actually done uh not just ideated but aided, i guess i don't know what what's the like made ship realized realized not ideated but realized, yeah, that is what we are about so. Yep. Feel free to get in touch. Hello at postlight.com. We're always glad to hear from you. My name is Paul Ford. Rich Ciotti. We are the co founders of Postlight. And if you need anything, just get in touch. Hello at postlight.com. Give us a good rating on the iTunes Store if you are so in the mood. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye.